1: Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade.
2: You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. This is Cork Today with Patricia Massinger. on the home of Cork's Greatest Hits. Cork's Greatest
1: Hits. Cork's 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 Greatest Hits.
3: C-103. And a very good Monday morning to you. Hoping we find you in great form. It's a lovely bright morning out there as I was saying there in the forecast, it's a little bit nippy this morning, but it is going to brighten up and warm up as the day uh, goes on. Uh, John Paul is extending his weekend, taking a long weekend, so he's not with us today. So Bernie is taking your calls at 1850 333 103. Uh, you can text and WhatsApp the programme as well to 0862 103 103. And I want to start the programme by by going back to uh, Friday night when I was in the Munster Arms Hotel in Bandon for a health and wellbeing evening that was organised by the Irish Dairy Council and the Bandon uh, Co-op and we had a wonderful, wonderful evening. I was a little bit worried as was the organisers with the way the weather had been with the storm on Thursday and it was still blowing up on Friday then there was a lot of rain and then the rain eased off and it actually turned out the evening was quite pleasant because I drove uh, to Bandon expecting and hoping that I wouldn't be meeting floodwaters along the way but I didn't and there was a huge Turnout. It really was great and I just wanted to say hi to everybody I met. I always think when I come away from an event like that, I should have a notebook with me and take down the names of all of the people. But then if I did that, I'd be here all day uh, saying hi to everybody. So hi to everybody. It really was lovely uh, to meet so many uh, listeners to the programme who came along to the Munster Arms Hotel. Paula, me, the dietitian, gave wonderful talk as always. I've heard Paula speak before. She just makes such sense when she talks about uh, nutrition and trying to dispel myths, she actually always reminds me of our own Annalise Dressel. They, uh, they have a similar vein. They don't sort of talk over people. They, they put it in layman's terms so that you really are able to understand it. And then there was the most fantastic psychologist that I've ever, I think, heard speak. Uh, psychology can be quite a deep and a heavy subject. And a guy by the name of Shane Martin, he's up. Sligo way, it was hard to I know he said at the start he was getting get people to pinpoint his um, accent but he's sort of on the far side of Sligo uh, but he gave five tips uh, to help us enhance a better quality of life he was funny, he was on point and he really got his message across he was terrific because I know afterwards the amount of people that mentioned The psychologist and and his talk. He really was excellent. And then I had absolute great fun helping out on the cookery demonstration with Olympic uh, Irish athlete uh, Derville O'Rourke, one of our own. She's such a lovely sweet young woman, she really is terrific and she was doing a cookery demonstration and we had a little bit of a chat about her life and what she's up to at the moment and of course she has just finished the filming of Ireland's Fishest Family which is going to be on the TV, I think it starts in two weeks time, I think I saw the first ad for it actually on TV uh, last night and it's one of those programmes, kind of a winter's evening programme isn't it, Ireland's uh, Fishest Family, but because all the filming has, it was done during the summer, it's all completely Complete. She knows what family has won. She knows what coach has won. But no matter how we tried, though, she was giving nothing away. She'd be a great poker player, I'll tell you that. Uh, and of course, Ireland's fishes family is going to be really competitive this year because the four coaches are Dunaco, Callaghan, Anagiri. Davy Fitz and uh, Dervlo Rourke, all of them, all of the coaches on a previous year have won Ireland's Fittest Family. They all have one win under their belt. So whoever wins this year gets the bragging rights. So that's going to sort of add a kind of an extra little competitive twi- twist to the programme. So we great one with her cookery demonstration, and of course the big thing about the night was it was a fund raiser for the West Cork Rapid Response. That fantastic group of people, and we were honoured. That Dr. Jason Vandervelt managed to take time out from when it was a very busy schedule and he came in and uh, spoke at the start of the night, just spoke about the great work of the West Cork Rapid Response, who are a truly amazing uh, organisation because their aim is to put the right people in the right place at the right time with the right equipment and the right skills to achieve the right outcome. And that's exactly what they do. And Jason spoke about, I think it was something like 300 calls that they have attended. I think it was for this year. I mean, they really are an amazing bunch of people. And what a lot of people forget and don't understand is all of the people that work the West Cork Rapid Response, including Dr Jason uh, in his uh, Jeep for Jason, they all do that free of charge it's all done in their spare time none of them get paid for the work that they do and the lives that they save so anything we can do when it comes to fundraising to help them keep doing the great work that we are doing uh, we're always glad to do and uh, Kate and Betty and the rest of the powerhouse who get behind the fundraising and organise the fund- fundraising they are amazing people, so hi to everybody that we met it really was fantastic And to the people that turned up, thank you, because by turning up, you're supporting the work of the West Cork Rapid Response. And no doubt you had a lovely evening as well. Well, we we hope that you really did uh, enjoy it. Now, on the programme today, we are going to catch up with Formoy Tidy Towns. They are celebrating today and only right. They're back on top of the Eyeball Litter League survey, which has been going now for well over 10 years at this stage the Eyeball literally League a survey and when it all started Formoy at the time wasn't doing that well but they're one of the towns that really proves when you get everybody together because in order to do well in like the Tidy Towns competition are this the Eyeball literally League survey are the county the The council have a litter league survey as well. You need everybody. You need everybody singing from the same hymn sheet and you need a community spirit and you need everybody having sort of a sense of pride in their area that if you see litter, rather than moan about it, that you do something, that you pick up the litter and that you bring it home with you. And I know, uh, and this is reflected all over the county, there's fantastic people that go out and they walk. It's, you know, they do it for their hobby, they do it for, a lot of people do it for their mindset, to get their mindset. In the right place, and they'll walk every evening. And the amount of people that go out walking, maybe in the countryside or in the the hinterlands around towns, will tell you they'll always bring a bag, a bag with them, and they'll collect rubbish along the way. You know, it's. I mean, they're just really good civic-minded people. And if you're a regular listener to this programme, you'll know I always think the real unsung heroes, heroes of this entire country are the people, the lads and lassies that get involved in Tidy Towns because they're out there cleaning up other people's filth and they are amazing people. So we're going to help for Moy Tidy Towns celebrate with their eyeball win today by chatting with them on the programme. Uh, car insurance. And the need to shop around on car insurance. I think everybody knows that, you know, you can't now, when your coat comes in the door, simply accept that quote. Well, there's a survey has come out that has looked at older people when it comes to their car insurance premium. And the survey that we're going to look at looks at a quote for one gentleman in his early 70s. And the difference between the dearest quote and the cheapest quote was €800. Euro. I mean, a staggering amount money, And my fear with older people, older people have a tendency to be very loyal. They're loyal in that they'll use the same shop. They're loyal in that they'll use the same electricity provider, the same phone provider, and they'll also use the same car insurance provider. We know we've seen it with health insurance providers as well. And it really does look like they are not in any way benefiting from that loyalty, which is a real shame. So we're going to talk about that uh, today. And I suppose get the message out to people if you are an older driver then please shop around for your car insurance but also I think put the word out to the adult sons and daughters and grandchildren of older people to make sure that if your mum or dad has, you know, their car insurance is up, to check in with them to say, what's your quote this year? Have you looked around? Maybe do the looking around for them. If they're not that maybe computer savvy, they're not on the Internet, do the bit of work for them and save the money. I mean, to save somebody 800 euro on one uh, one year's car insurance, staggering, staggering uh, amount of money. I'm looking forward to after 11 when Evelyn Brown is going to join us in studio. Evelyn is mum of little Anna and Anna's dream to dance. We've been involved this year in trying to promote and highlight any fundraising efforts that were going on on behalf of little Anna Brown, who needed to get spinal surgery done. She needed to go to the States. The operation, while it would eventually have been available here in Ireland, Anna's parents felt it was going to be too late and the damage was going to be done. So they decided to move while she was younger. They discovered in Missouri, in the States, a hospital that was willing to do the operation. Anna was a good candidate for the operation, but what was in their way 100,000 euro we know what it it, what it costs to get any kind of surgery like that done in the States so they said about fundraising and of course they couldn't move they couldn't go to the States until they had the money fundraised but they got all the money in and they went back into the summer and Anna is home now back in school and she at the start of the month celebrated her 8th birthday and we just said time to catch up with Evelyn to see how little Anna is doing so we'll chat with Evelyn uh, later on on the programme this news that broke over the weekend of landlords looking for viewing fees really took me by by surprise couldn't quite understand what it was all about until i started reading up on it so we're going to look at it in more detail now it does seem at the moment that the the viewing fees it's happening in dublin and it's becoming quite common in dublin but of course if it gets into the Dublin market and landlords around the country start seeing, well, this is a way of weeding out tenants, I suppose, is one way of looking at it. Also a way of earning extra money for the landlords. Now, obviously, and you know, we'll always preface this by saying there are many, many great landlords who are fantastic and would never, ever uh, try to get money out of people uh, unless it was money that they were owed uh, through rent. But unfortunately we have unscrupulous landlords. We know they're all over the country. We have them here, sadly. We have them here in Cork as well. And the danger is that if these viewing fees become the norm in Dublin, then we know what will happen. They'll become the norm here in Cork. So we're going to be talking about that uh, on the programme as well today. And it is Monday. So that means Annelise Drussell, a nutritional therapist, will be joining us on the programme. So that and more, your thoughts and comments welcomed throughout the morning. Bernie's taking the calls, 1850 333 103, text or WhatsApp 0862 103 103 a WhatsApp in saying will you give a shout out please to the Castletown Bear members from the West Cork Rowing Clubs that were in Canada for the World coastal rowing over the weekend they did very well we're all very proud of their achievements especially the crews from Court Mac Sherry so well done one and uh, all and hi Trish this is from Mick in Aragon. I was at the county senior hurling final yesterday between uh, Emma uh, Emma Kelly and Middleton the standard of hurling was shocking there was no heart or drive in it would others agree also paying, had to pay 25 euro it was complete robbery uh, says Mick from Aragon well a few people want to comment on the standard of the hurling but I know a lot of people want to comment on the fact that it was 25 euro to get in and yesterday on our Twitter uh, account. Uh, we had a piece up about the fact that we were getting calls in that people were disappointed with the attendance in Porky Quive and that the ticket prices at 25 euro appeared to, um, uh, that there was a lot of criticism about the fact that it was 25 uh, euro and we asked for people's thoughts on our Twitter and we had a big reaction. Uh, Anna, just let me recap on some of them. Will said, absolute disgrace, Cork GAA should be promoting hurling within its clubs by making it inexpensive to attend a game where many Cork seniors were playing it's the same old story grassroots GAA being forgotten about thank God for JP McManus says will and then John says the Tipperary County Board will host up to 15 county championship games this weekend including three county finals you pay 20 euro and you can attend as many games as you wish over the Saturday and Sunday if you want to avail of a weekend package but it's 20 euro over the two day ticket Uh, somebody else Steve TV said 10 euro for Parnell Park yesterday for a double header. They did it to encourage children and families. Without them there's nothing. And Kevin says pure greed hitting the pockets of decent grassroots supporters in Cork. I heard of a family who had to spend 90 euro for two adults and two students which is not on at all and utterly disappointing. How can any county board member justify the price and comments like that go on and on and on. Well read in the examiner and the sports supplement today, the Cork County Board Chairman Tracy Kennedy had defended the increase in the ticket price for the hurling finals at uh, Porky Cueve yesterday. The 25 euro ticket was 5 euro up on last year. Students and old age pensioners got in for 20 euro and juveniles were free. Tracy Kennedy pointed out that it had been possible to purchase tickets slightly cheaper. You could have got a for €22 euro online prior to uh, yesterday. She says that Coke Park issued a directive that €20 euro had to be the minimum price so she's saying, according to Club Park, they couldn't go below it. That's the base starting point, she said, for every county. And she said, we haven't increased our ticket prices for 12 years, which is a pretty long time. As well, she said, it's important to point out that the, the, the €22 Euro was available up to midnight on Saturday night. So if you really wanted to get it slightly cheaper, you could have, is Tracy's point. All of these factors, she says, were the things that fed into the decision being taken. She's a small bit disappointed that people might think the county fine were not worth 25 euro. She said, I can understand when there's a price increase, people aren't often happy about it. But she said, you're talking about two very high quality games. And let's not forget, Borky and all of the brilliant facilities. She said, all that has to be taken into account when setting the price. Now, last year, this is the big one, was the uh, poor, well, the lower attendance. Last year, 16,226 people turned up for the senior Final double header. It was Nemo Rangers St Finbar's football replay, and it preceded the Imokilly Blackrock Blackrock uh, Black Rock clash. Uh, yesterday's attendance was ten thousand two hundred and fourteen. But Tracy Kennedy admitted that. Um, The figures they got last year was never likely to happen, but she doesn't think it was to do with the pricing. She says last year's crowd was a record crowd, but it was a special occasion because, of course, it was the official opening of the uh, stadium and and also last year it was two senior finals. So they were never anticipating that kind of a crowd uh, yesterday. Uh, so she w- she, uh, she was well, she was making that she was talking then about they weren 't expecting it, and she didn 't feel that the price was going to influence the crowd at that stage of course that was be, she gave that interview uh, before the actual match had been held so what, what I suppose what people now are going to try to analyze and work out was there le- did less people attend because the price had gone up to twenty five uh, euro were people influenced You know, did they decide, no, I'm not paying 25 euro? Or did people say, for God's sake, what are you cribbing about? It was only an extra fiver. Look at the fantastic f- facilities that are available at uh, Pork equive. Jim says worse still was that it was 20 euro for old age pensioners and students and was only a fiver for the ladies football final, which was good value for money and great entertainment. So Jim is even complaining about and um, the GAA were saying 25 euro for adults. But look, we did give concessions for old age pensioners and students. Jim reckons the concessions at 20 euro for old age pensioners and students was also high. So your thoughts on that? Can you see where the county board are coming from? Wonderful facilities at Porky Cueve. Look at what you're getting. Two fine matches. Were they right to charge €25? Are if they keep up a price range like that, will it actually stop people going? And then it's the law of diminishing returns. They'll have to really look at that because if you're going to get less people paying the €25, euro, are you not better off getting more people paying the 20 because ultimately you'll make more money if more pay the 20 than if less pay the 25 euro your thoughts welcomed 1850 text or whatsapp 0862 103 103
2: you're listening to cork today on replay phone and text lines are currently closed C103 Home of Cork today with Patricia Messenger weekday mornings from 10
4: Text Patricia with your
3: comment now 0862103103 Older drivers have been told to shop around when renewing their car insurance after a survey found quotes can differ by as much as 800 euro for the same motorist the survey was conducted by insuremycars.ie and joining me managing director Jonathan Hare uh, Good morning to you Jonathan Good morning, Patricia. Uh, you're, you're welcome. Can there be any explanation for an 800 euro difference for the very same motorist from cheapest to dearest?
5: Well, what we've noticed in the last couple of months is that the insurance companies are gradually reducing their prices in certain areas. And one of the areas in particular that stood out for us was drivers over the age of 70. Um, some cases, the insurance companies have dropped their prices by more than three or 400 euros. So while there's a big difference, it's probably because the other insurance companies haven't copped on that this is a good area for the insurance companies to be in. Um, maybe historically, the insurance company data shows that drivers over 70 aren't as good a risk. But, you know, there is a saying out there that 70s is the new 60s, 60s, yeah, 50s. So yeah. I, do, I do think that a couple of insurance companies have copped onto this and realized that drivers at this age are actually good drivers and they're experienced. So it's not the differential that's probably important because I think the others will probably come in line as well. But it's a good sign that some of these insurers, that the other insurance companies have actually dropped their price and recognised this
1: fact.
3: But many older drivers, Jonathan, would be loyal to companies. And obviously, if they're with one of the companies that you're talking about that hasn't copped on, that loyalty could now be costing them.
5: That's a great point because that is costing them because, you know, some of the insurance companies that traditionally we're quoting drivers in this age category, are no longer the best for them. And yet, let's say you take a driver in this age category that was shopping around. Potentially they shopped around for two to three years um, and found that they weren't getting any lower prices and have now decided that it's not worth their while shopping around. Plus they've been reading about the increases in premiums for the last couple of years and some of them are accepting it and saying that's just the way it is. But it's definitely not... Like, if you are a driver in this age category and you're claims-free and you've seen your price go up on last year, I can practically guarantee you, (laughs) and it's a very difficult thing to do, (laughs) that you will see a lower price if you shop around.
3: Yeah, because when we mentioned earlier that you were going to be joining us on the programme, a listener contacted us to say her mother, 73-year-old, the insurance premium came in and they were shocked to see it was gone down €150 from last year.
5: Yeah, so... uh, that's a good reduction for somebody. Um, but the point is, though, that some people will see their price going up maybe 20 or 30 euros. And because it's only gone up 20 or 30 euros from last year, they're going to think, well, that's not too bad. Yeah. But I can, again, I can, it's very rare I will give a guarantee on the insurance because there's so many different factors that can play. I would say if your price has gone up, if you ring around, you will not just save the 20 or 30 euro increase that you're seeing on last year. You'll save a good bit more. And that example you've given there, that 150 euros, um, that would be typical, not untypical, for somebody who shops around.
3: Yeah, and and because not all the older people are, are tech-savvy, really older children should keep an eye, shouldn't they, on parents and relatives insurance quotes, just to make sure that they're not doing this loyalty thing and because for years we've been hearing about insurance costs going up, an older person might get the premium in going, oh sure, it's going up every year, and just simply pay it.
5: That's a, That is what's happening and like I, I'm, I don't want to sound patronising to older people not shopping around, but a huge amount of the calls that we get are people who say to us, my son or my daughter or my niece or my nephew said I should ring, and they can't believe how much they're saving. And that's people who are saving t- €300, Euros, €150, Euros, €200. Euros, and the cover that they're getting is exactly the same, if not better, than what they had before. Because sometimes, again, some of the um, more mature drivers they're very aware of the type of cover they want opposed to what a young driver will have they'll they'll know uh, the types of benefits they wanted included on in their policy you'll get the same benefits you'll get the same cover you'll just get it for a cheaper price and it is as simple as that
3: okay and these and we're, and we're talking about a cohort of people who run a fixed income so i mean it's you know every Every penny is, is, is worth a lot um, uh, to them. And then for the general population, uh, Jonathan, uh, tips for all of us on, on lowering insurance premium. For example, like having a named driver can actually reduce your car insurance.
5: It, it definitely can. Having a named driver, in some cases, having two named drivers can, can save you money in your car insurance. Um, if you look at, say, younger, younger drivers, which is the area that has been hit the most at the moment, The advice that I'd give to all young drivers is um, if you intend to drive, say, at the age of 19, 20, well, go and get your driver's license at the age of 17, as in your learner permit. Do, Do your lessons. There's a requirement to do 10 or 12 lessons. Go out and do that and apply for your test as soon as possible because when you do eventually decide to go on the road, the length of time you've held your full license will also be taken into consideration. So don't try and do it all the time you're going to get the car. Prepare for it and do all this the minute you hit seventeen I would tell everybody I know the first thing you do when you're seventeen is go and sit your yes. um, chair that will save someone a lot of money um in general for the you know everybody else out there the most important thing is shopping around I mean who 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 you're, who was best for you last year um is is no guarantee that it'll be best for you again this year so shopping around is the biggest um saver that people will have um Making sure your car has a valid NCT. A lot of the time, if you're shopping around for car insurance, the insurance companies, at the time you're telling them what your registration number is, they will know if that car NCT is in place or not. So you might be somebody who's booked in for an NCT next week. Um, the difference in your price could be hundreds of euros by waiting until the NCT is actually updated. Instead well,
3: of I'd say a lot of people aren't aware of that. And of course, the, the insurance company have access from your car registration number. They'll know.
5: They do, and yeah. they all will access it. So, but it'll automatically give you a higher price, or in some cases, no quote, whereas if you wait until the NCT is valid, um, or making sure that you do maintain your NCT is probably the best advice I can give you, and and not let it run out. Well, that will give you a significant saving as well.
3: Are we seeing a drop in the cost of car insurance?
5: In certain categories, we are. So insurance companies seem to have a better appetite for car insurance than they did this time last year. So initially what insurance companies will do is they'll cherry-pick. So they'll go for the um, driver with 10 years, no claims bonus, full license, a a new enough car and everything ticking all the right boxes. Um, This release in relation to the more mature drivers seems to show that insurance companies have now stepped out of that comfort zone and are looking at other areas that they can write business, which is why we've seen production premium for the more mature drivers. So... If your claim's free, your car is, um, NCTs and it's sort of a newer vehicle, everybody, you know, no claims, no penalty points and doing everything right, well then you should be seeing a reduction. People with penalty points, people with cars that doesn't have an NCT are older vehicles. Young drivers, they're the ones that probably haven't seen a reduction yet.
3: Okay, all right. Always uh, good words of advice, Jonathan. Thank you for that and uh, thanks for joining us. Thanks, Patricia. Good morning morning to you. That is Jonathan Hare of insuremycars.ie. Please do not take the first uh, premium that comes through your letterbox or the email that you get shop around. You could save yourself money. If anybody else has examples of how they saved money on their car insurance let us know. But it does look like there's good offers out at the moment and about time as well. I think many of the older drivers are very, very safe drivers uh, indeed. Now, something that we're, try- we're, we're, well, we're trying to look into, but if anybody has uh, additional information on this, uh, let us know. Catherine was on to us from the North Cork area. She is a regular bingo goer, which includes going to Mill Street bingo and the bingo in Mill Street has been cancelled for the foreseeable future. Now I remember it got cancelled last week because of the weather but it seems it's not just the weather, it's now been cancelled for the foreseeable future. But Catherine contacted us because she said there's a jackpot outstanding of 2,000 uh, euro and she says the organisers are saying that the money this is according to Catherine, the organisers are saying that the money will go to pay bills and uh, overheads and Catherine says regular players are not happy about this because they were looking forward to being in with The chance of winning a jackpot of 2,000 uh, euro. And I know Bernie has been on to somebody who is involved with the bingo in Mill Street. It's affiliated with the is it a GAA run bingo in Mill Street? Anyway they're not making any comment at the moment. So uh, we'll try and see if we can find out what exactly is going on. But seemingly some bingo players are very disappointed a that the bingo is stopping but, but they're more disappointed about the fact that they, they want to know what's going to happen to that €2,000 Euro. and obviously it's a jackpot that rolls over every week and people were invested in it and were dreaming about what they would do if they would win it. So if anybody can shed any more light on that topic let us know please. 1850 333 Text or WhatsApp 0862 103 103
2: this is Cork Today with Patricia Messenger on C103.
3: And I've just spotted a text in. Can I say hi to Scott from AVC? They were the company who provided the sound system and the cameras. Very, very professional guys, I have to say, at our health and well-being evening in the Munster Arms Hotel last Friday. They're listening to us at the moment in the van. So hi to the uh, guys. Now, Moy has just been named the cleanest town in Ireland. It is the latest Irish business again litter, the Eyeball Litter League survey. We can't let the moment pass without celebrating with them. The project manager from Formoy Tidy Towns is Paul Cavanagh, who joins me. Good morning to you, Paul.
6: Good morning, Patricia.
3: And can I start by saying congratulations uh, to you. Um, fantastic uh, result. What did the judges say about Formoy that got you to the top this time round?
6: Well, in, in in this year's report, um, which is the summer report? Uh, basically, they have said that they found, for my almost litter-free, uh, the streets were very clean, uh, and that all the residential areas were litter-free completely. And th- that's just a, a great um, testament to the hard work of all the res- all the residents' committees who who have worked with us uh, in cooperation i must congratulate pauline moriarty in in the from my municipal district she's the chief executive officer there and all her staff pauline had this idea of bringing us all together in the town cooperation group uh, and that comprises of the council both the indoor and the outdoor staff the uh avenue blackwater who have a ce scheme and also the Image Improvement Group, the Avenue Improvement Group, which is a, a, a community employment scheme under John Feeney. Uh, that with all the volunteers, the my Forum, the business group, uh, we just uh, work together. Uh, and I think you mentioned it earlier uh, by working together. And we have a load of unsung heroes around the place, as you
3: Brilliant. mentioned
6: mm-hmm. earlier, who, who just go out. And I saw a few of them out this morning, would you believe? And uh, it's just on a, on a beautiful sunny morning I I drove around my now this morning and it's absolutely fantastic.
3: And I bet you Paul you drove around feeling very proud of your little town.
6: I'm very, I'm very proud of our little town yeah. and at the end of the day somebody said what's it all for uh, it makes it a nicer place to live in a nicer place to shop in a nicer place for everybody to go to school in, to work in, to grow up in and we're trying to attract tourism to Fermoy as well and attract uh, businesses to Fermoy so the Enterprise Board has said this is a, a major clap on the back, and this is just fantastic.
3: And you've been doing well because you also the you the you wasn't it the best improved town in the Cork County Council Anti-Litter Challenge was that, that, that last that month? That,
6: that, that last month we were we were we were we, were, we were kind of taken back a small bit with that. That 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 but it, that was a motivational factor to keep going because what happens in a lot of towns is that. Once the tidy towns competitions are over in in July, that people kind of stop, and we kind of said no. Uh, this was this was definitely an incentive to go forward. And Eyeball did a, a rivers and seas report um, during the summer as well. And for my we're fairly near the top of that. And we did we actually went out and cleaned the river again after that. Not once, twice, because the the local subaqua group got involved as well in the rowing club and we did a major clean of the river banks.
3: And then in the actual tidy towns competition, how do you how well have you done in that and how have you been doing in that for the last number of years? Yeah,
6: yeah. the the magical figure the, the score in, in in tidy towns is out of 450 marks and it's divided into nine different categories. And there's a lot of things in there. It's not just and I keep saying this to the people when we meet at our annual cleaner town awards which will be happening in November, but I always say that it's not just about flowers and it's not just about painting. There are nine different groups in the Tidy Towns, And in fairness, as you know, Bell & Colleague um, came out with a gold medal this year, which was absolutely fantastic for Bell & Colleague. Huge effort in all the different areas. Our challenge now, now that we've got over the magical 300 mark, which we've been trying to do for five years. We got there, we're 304. Well we're about 20 points off a medal, wow. which is our goal. And we now know what we have to do.
3: That's uh, very achievable, isn't it?
6: Very achievable. It's in biodiversity, uh, it's it's in it's in wildflowers, it's in storing water, uh, rainwater from the roofs and and, and, and and things like that that really get you the marks. The whole thing now I think in, in, in the town that won it overall this year, Ennis uh, the um uh, was I think it was Ennis anyway, that they changed they went around to all the shops and got rid of plastic straws and changed them to paper straws.
3: And to win this one the, or to be come out on top in, in the eyeball, does that, that really spurs people on, doesn't it, when when that's the, the one thing about these competitions rather than there being a financial award it it's just the recognition.
6: The recognition is the most important thing because as I said, a lot of the tidy tones groups kind of you know, I wouldn't say down tools but the pressure is off. The competition's over, and what are we going to do now? Well, you know, we were in the eyeball um, competition for the last twenty years, and then last year they actually took us out of it because they said we were doing so well, even though we we hadn't won it. And we we kind of kicked up a small bit about that, <laughs> and they, they they put us back in this year because it does keep everybody it going. Does,
3: yeah, and
1: it does. And I've
6: met four of the volunteers now this morning, and they're everybody's beaming about it. They're kind of going. This is it. We're there now. There's only one place we can go from here. So we we don't want to fall. We want to be there at the top in January and go to Dublin and collect the awards.
3: And I also heard this morning, I got a bit of an insider. The person that gets announced at the end of the year, the overall winner at the end of the year, which is where Femoy wants to be. The first prize is a piece of sculpture worth €50,000, which is chosen by locals and architects.
6: Well, that would be just fantastic. That, that, that's, that's the goal now at this stage, um, for the, for the next two months is really to work hard and keep us going. And, and I know that the people of Fermoy, uh, are so proud this morning that, you know, we're going to do it. I know we're going to do it.
3: Well, well done and congratulations. As I say, we couldn't, we couldn't let the day pass without having you on. I know uh, we're not, I don't know if we're going to get to it today, but we're certainly hoping tomorrow to look at the overall uh, Eyeball uh, Literary League survey because while it's fantastic news uh, for Formoy, it isn't great for other areas.
6: No, can I just say, Patricia, like from we were knocked off our perch there. We were 7th about three years ago and yeah. then we were knocked down to 14th. And we were going, Where are we going? What's going wrong? and and we just, you know, so I would say to the groups that have got poor figures or are not unhappy, it's just a motivational thing to get up and do more, because when we were knocked, we, when we actually went out and looked, we actually found ourselves that, you know what, we could do better. Yeah, We yeah. could do better. Our chairman, councillor, Noel McCarthy, just keeps us going. When heads drop, he says, lads, come on, let's lift the heads, we can do better, and I must mention the schools as well. We're getting all the same. The schools. It's all about cooperation. That's the word. Uh, and it's it's just you know we put up signs about uh, about dog fouling, and people said to us, S- dog "Signs aren't going to do anything." It's amazing. Signs did it, and all of a sudden, from Moy doesn't have a huge uh, dog fouling. Do we have a problem? Yeah, we have a small problem,
3: do but we not as not as bad stupid? as it was.
6: It's not yeah. at all as bad as it was. Uh, I passed on the Pike Road this morning, which used to be awful. You couldn't go there, uh, and it, it's great. And I'm just saying, all the other towns that are listening as well, cooperation—that's what it's all about. Getting everybody walking together for the community. Okay. And well. somebody, somebody had, had, had kind of said, "Oh, you're the council and all this." We in in the council—they've had huge cutbacks, and I think we had six guys on the ground in Frome, and now we've only two. But the two guys work hard. And and you know what I mean? They do the work, And there's now going to be new people coming on. And that's going to be, that's our incentive. We're assisting them. We're not trying to take their jobs away. You know, and it would be great, as you said, there's people going out with bags this morning. You know, we're just doing it to keep the place looking
3: well. Sense of pride in your community. You can't beat Sense it. Well, once again, congratulations. I can see a number of people wanting to say well done uh, to Paul and the Tidy Towns Group and uh, a lot of people mentioning Councillor Noel McCarthy as well. Listen, thank you for that, uh, Paul, and thanks for joining us thank you Patricia. good morning thank to you. you good morning now a lot of calls and texts coming in let me go to uh, some of them hi Patricia I just bought a packet of cat biscuits in a shop the price marked was 1 euro 58 cents when I got to the cash desk I was charged one euro 60. this is illegal as it should be sold to me as the price that was on the packet of cat biscuits if I'd been paying by credit card then I would have been charged one euro and 58 cents because I was paying by cash. That's one of the shops that's doing the rounding up, rounding down. I consider myself to be on the ball with most things and I think this is not correct. Now the rounding up and down, this was to get rid of the one and two cent coins and it was introduced nationwide um, three years ago actually. I'm surprised at this. I should do a quick check on this. It was the end of October 2015 was when rounding first uh, came in. as I say, the whole idea of it is is to get rid of the one and two cent coins. But the rules and regulations around rounding up and down rounding is voluntary for retailers and consumers. And the one and two cent uh, coins uh, will always remain legal uh, tender. And the rounding only applies to cash payments. If you're paying by credit card or debit cards, then you get the whatever the, the Actual amount was uh, they don't round up or down with credit cards or uh, debit cards. Now the re- the actual retailer um, can and they have been rolling it out. They don't have to ask the customer, but. It's up to you as a customer to say if you don't want rounding applied to your bill. Now if that's the case you must have the exact change if you're requested to do so. So in this case with the fifty eight, if you didn't want to be charged one sixty, then you would have to have exactly one fifty eight to hand in and they have to accept that they can't force rounding so you are right on that they can't force it um, on you and I don't know if you got into discussion or not uh, with the shop but there are the rules and regulations around rounding. And somebody else was on Saint Patricia. Would you put a call into the ESB, please, that the street lights are out at Spa Glen. It's before you come to Centre just at the corner. They have been out since the storm. Now, unfortunately, I can't do that for you because you need to have the number that's on the street light. Every street light in the country has a unique number that you find on the pole if you discover a street light out in your area then you need to go to the pole take down the number and report the fault you'll need the name of the street or the road that the light is located on but the most important thing is you need to have the number that's on it you then contact your local authority with that information and they should be able to sort it out there's also a really good service if you're online where you can report report a faulty street light, it's called FixMyStreet.ie. So if you want to go on to that website, you can report it there as well. But the same, when you, if you're going onto the website FixMyStreet, you need to have that unique number which is on every poll. So hopefully you'll be able to get that track that number down either go onto the local authority or go online. Okay, lots of calls coming in and texts coming in on two issues. The bingo in Mill Street, we'll get to that in a moment. Let me go firstly, though, to what happened yesterday in Porky Creeve and the fact that patrons were asked to pay €25 for the adult tickets and it was €20 for old age pensioners and juveniles. And many people contacting us this morning felt that that was too expensive. And one wonders, did it add to the crowd numbers which came in at... I had the figure there earlier, I think it was just over 10,000 people uh, attended. 10,214 was the attendance that was announced yesterday. But that's down on the senior final double bill last year between Nemo Rangers and St. Finbar's. And that preceded the Immokilly-Black Rock clash last year. And that was over 16000 But, you know, as people say, you can't compare like with like because that was the official opening of the uh, stand. OK, some of your comments in on this savage price, says the listener, for the final yesterday, which did reflect the small crowd. For one of the biggest sporting days in Cork. We often had twenty to 25,000 people back in the day, but that was when we had realistic prices at the gate, and yesterday the no standing option for the smaller pockets. Again, the famous county board, as with the Liam Miller tribute match, are lost up in the clouds in their ivory towers, way away from the ground roots and the man on the street. What was charged in Waterford, Limerick and Tipperary for their county finals, says a so when well, somebody said that in Tipperary what they did was you paid 20 euro but it was a two day ticket and you could go to whatever matches you wanted to do, go or you could go to all of the matches but they had a special uh, rate of 20 euro somebody was somebody else saying Parnell Park was tenure? I don't know if that was a county final, um, or not. Uh, Jim says, "Why would Tracy Kennedy say that Coke Park set the price? Surely the Cork County Board have the power to set its own pricing structure?" says Jim. And Jim is commenting on when I mentioned it's an hour, It's an interview that Tracy, the County Board, Cork County Board chairperson, gave to Dennis Hurley, and it is in the sports supplement of the Irish examiner today and she stated in that interview that Croke Park s- issued a directive that 20 euro has to be the minimum uh, price and then they decided at uh, the Cork County Board that they would put it at uh, they thought it was worth it to put it at 25 uh, euro because of the matches and also because of the great facilities at uh, Porky Cove but she she was saying from that now I don't know if that was reflected around the country, because if you go by the Tipperary one, they were giving two days for the 20 euro. Surely that wouldn't have followed the directive from uh, from the uh, Coke Park, or, or maybe it would. I don't know, but that's the reason that Crow Park was mentioned. It's just that they had a minimum price, that it shouldn't be below that and then obviously up to each individual county if they want to put the price up or down and the county board in Cork decided to go to 25 euro. Some of your texts or some of your calls in on this. John in Blarney was going to go to the match yesterday but he said look plain and simple when he discovered the price he realised it was too expensive he would have been bringing three students along with him so that would have meant 85 euro for himself and the three students. Now he said it was only 5 euro to go to the lay ladies football. They do not get enough respect from the GAA authorities and I'm assuming that's the ladies you're talking about don't get the same uh, respect. That's from John in Blarney. Ellen in Ballyhay always goes to the matches but she said sorry now but it was just too dear yesterday. 20 euro would have been enough to charge and students don't have 20 euro to spend on matches. A tenner would have been enough for them. So 20 Ellen is saying €20 Euro for the adults, which obviously would have appeased Co Park if they're saying it has to be set at 20 And then the concession tickets, the old age pensioners and the students give it to them at €10. Euros. It would be interesting to see how many more people would actually have gone if it had been set at, at that. Uh, thank you for that. That's just some of the calls and comments coming in about the match yesterday. And, and, and I'm particularly, as I say, interested to hear from people who just didn't go because of the cost when they realised it was going to be €25 Euro a ticket. And a lot of people contacting us about bingo in Mill Street and that the fact that bingo in Mill Street is gone. A lot of people are very disappointed and very upset about this. The girls in Mallow said, no more bingo in Mill Street. Very, very disappointed indeed. Some of your texts in Mary says, Patricia, Mill Street was a great friendly Bingo, But they started putting reserves on some of the seats and they also cut down on the prices. So if they've decided to end it, they can only blame themselves. Sorry for that, says uh, Mary. Someone, uh, And then we, Bernie has taken a number of calls in on the bingo. Let me get to some of the calls uh, that have come in on this. Um, Fiona in Mallow used to also go to bingo in Mill Street every single week. She said the same thing happened at the bingo in Mallow in Woodview Drive in that the bingo ceased. They had to pay out the jackpot. That was outstanding. They had an extra bingo night in order to pay out that jackpot because people are very annoyed. Well, people are disappointed that the bingo has stopped, but people are very annoyed that there was €2,000 in a jackpot and nobody knows what's going to happen to the jackpot. Well, our first caller led us to believe that the organisers were going to use the money to pay off bills and pay overheads and then it's linked to the GAA uh, in Mill Street and people are rather annoyed about that the regular bingo players who feel you know they have a share almost in, in that jackpot so that's interesting that it happened in the bingo in Mallow but they did pay out the jackpot they had the extra night in order to pay it out Evelyn in Mallow a lot of Mallow people travelling to bingo in Mill Street says they should pay out the bingo she went there regularly they had great crowds going everywhere every week but when they when they cost the prize money people stopped going. John, also in Mallow, went to Mill Street Bingo every week. He loved going. He said, he admits yes, the crowds were getting small but that's because they brought down the prize money. All GAA clubs get grants, so why do they need to keep the jackpot money to pay their bills, says John in Mallow. He's questioning what's happening with the jackpot as well. Paddy in Mill Street always supported the bingo. It is totally wrong that they're holding on to the jackpot. The regular players put in that money to build up that jackpot the GAA have no right to hold on to it and as I say we did put a call through to one of the organisers who came back and uh, said they are not making a comment at the moment okay at the moment so we take it from that that they hopefully will make a comment and I suppose if enough pressure comes on and enough people who went to the bingo put enough pressure on, they'll do something about it and hopefully they will be able to have a special bingo night like what they did in Mallow, and get to pay out the bingo uh, that uh, way. Someone else says, can they actually just end the bingo like that with a jackpot so high and not a word to uh, anyone? We were all very good to go in that we regularly supported it. Can they just end it like that? Well, I checked with Bernie who happened, who's producing today. She happened to be on, she took the call last week when they announced that the bingo was cancelled due to the storm, uh, you know, and so people just thought, oh, well, it was just off. There was a lot of bingos cancelled on Thursday night because of storm, uh, Callum. But then Bernie said, I don't know if it was with the same phone call that it was said, could you also put it out, please, that that's the end, the bingo is gone. So it looks like that, that people, the regular attenders, didn't realise that they were going to stop the bingo in Mill Street. A lot of very disappointed people. And hi, Patricia, in regards to car insurance, I always shop around. Now, I did get a lower rate for the first year with the new company, but they then put a big increase the following year. I felt they were doing it to make up for the low rate that they gave me for the first uh, 12 months. Uh, love your programme. Thank you. Um, we'll see what you should do there you change every year you can every single year go to another company when, when it comes in if you get the quote that you like and you take it the following year I mean it's the one thing with the one message that we're trying to get across and certainly all of the experts in the field will say that we've got to stop this thing of having loyalty to a company for any kind of a utility and it includes car insurance so you literally need to shop around every single year so the second year when you got the premium which had the higher higher premium than the first year you should have then parked it pardon the pun and started shopping around and you probably would have got a lower quote it's the same we're now told with our electricity and our gas providers and our phone providers most it'll be a one-year contract that you sign in for as soon as the contract is up we're told keep shopping around certainly on the electricity people are saving huge sums of money by every single year changing providers it seemingly is the way to go 185333103 lines open
1: see 103 jobs
3: A part-time admin assistant is wanted. It's for a chiropractice in Balancolic. Full-time experienced Arctic driver wanted. That's for Quartertown in Mallow. And Supermax in Little Island, they are recruiting full-time staff. You'll find all the details and more job opportunities by going online now. Just go to c103.ie forward slash jobs for more. This is... C103. Now earlier this month little Anna Brown from Allo celebrated her 8th birthday by scaling an indoor rock climbing wall. Nothing unusual there except Anna's birthday was exactly 54 days following her life changing spinal surgery in America. Her mum Evelyn joins me in studio with an update on little Anna. Good morning to you Evelyn. Good morning Patricia. And, and you are so much brighter now than you were uh, earlier in the year. You used to have the weight of the world on your shoulders. I can see it has lifted.
7: I definitely feel, yeah, definitely feel that life is getting better.
3: Yeah, it's incredible. It's incredible. OK, could you ever have considered this time last year, Anna, rock climbing?
7: God, no, not a hope. And they had recommended rock climbing would be good for her physio. And that's how tough life is at the moment that even her birthday had to be involved a little bit of physio. I but know. I said, we'll make it fun. So I took herself and her sister and two friends up to Cork Explained to them what Anna had, only had recent surgery. And yes, she did struggle. She was a lot slower than the other kids, but she's very, very determined, as you can see from the video I sent you. And she sat down next to me afterwards and she said, I'm so proud. And I said, I'm so proud too. She said, I know I'm slow and I know it's tough, but I can do it. And I couldn't do this a few months ago. Wow. So I, if- in that moment, Patricia, I knew I had made the right decision because. Even though I'm seventy, eighty percent sure that yes, this is good, this is amazing, but like at the moment, Anne is expressing new reliefs every single day of how better her body is feeling. So she's eight. Her walking still isn't a hundred percent. Her walking might never be a hundred percent. But the simple tasks of like climbing a wall that any seven or eight year old should be able to do, I've just given her given her, you know, options that mm. that door was closed and we didn't even know that it was that jammed shut.
3: And she was only going to get
7: worse. A hundred percent, a hundred percent only going to get worse because the third day um, when she, it was really tough. I'm not going to lie to watch her after the surgery was one of the hardest things I've ever, ever had to do. And on the third day, she has to get out of bed and she was brought into um, in a wheelchair into physio and she stretched out on a big bed, like a double bed. And she just said, oh, God, my body just popped and I said, what do you mean? She said, everything feels free. So this is stuff that we couldn't see.
0: Mm. She is
7: taller. No shadow, no doubt. Yeah. She's taller. Um, She was on a swing about two weeks ago. And she said, look, she says, I can swing myself. She's always been on swings. I didn't know that she couldn't raise herself on a swing as and get higher. That motion of putting that your motion, legs out. Yeah. She couldn't straighten her legs. Bless. Every time we look at her, she's hanging off the spindles on the stairs, just climbing up them because she can not straighten her arms. Everything. She said her whole body feels better. Now, the highlight of it was we we went for an eye test um, last week and his vision is really bad. I told her that she wears special glasses. And we were told on more than one occasion that Anna will never have enough vision to drive and glasses will not correct that. She passed an eye test the other day with 20-20 vision. Now, I can't tell you if that's down to surgery. And I did ask, I emailed the hospital and they said, well, he doesn't make any claims that it will improve vision or cognitive development, but he what he will say is the spasticity takes over their body so much that when it's removed that they can concentrate on other things?
3: Because the bad the deteriorating eyesight was linked to the condition, wasn't it?
7: She does have a brain injury that um where you when when we see things we all see colour. Yeah. And when it goes into your brain there's a processing area and it puts it into picture. So what you see and what I see could still be processed differently and her processing area is damaged. OK. So but again, they say you can retrain the brain to do stuff like people after strokes. Yeah. yeah. But Anna's um, ability is supposed to retrain that part of the brain was so caught up with the other brain injury, which was spasticity, which you, you can't. The only way to get rid of spasticity is to what Dr. Park done to Anna.
3: And just explain what Dr Park did for Anna.
7: He when we got there on the Monday, we he went through everything with her and examined everything. And then we went for an X-ray of her spine and they marked the, the vertebrae. And it was L1 as so they were going to cut into the spine. He removed the L1 of the vertebrae so he could get in further. And then he electromagnetically tested the nerves coming from the brain to find out which ones were damaged. Because the nerves coming down, like it's like a phone signal her signal wasn't getting through. So when her brain was telling her legs to do stuff, this signal was damaged. So he cut them, the ones that were damaged, he cut 66% of her nerves. So um, when she did wake up, she couldn't do anything. She couldn't sit, she couldn't roll. And that was hard to watch because other kids that were having this surgery were going in there with the hope of walking someday. And they didn't have much feeling in their legs to begin with. My child went in there with feeling and came out with nothing. Yeah. And it was hell, I'm not going to lie. You can get um, muscle spasms. Some kids experience muscle spasms. And by God, did she get them? She did. She suffered for the first 48 hours. And
3: bless her heart, she was seven.
7: Yeah, you know, she's God. And out n- n- at no stage did she ask me, Mam, what have you done to me? She didn't. But I did question myself.
3: Is it like scoliosis surgery?
7: No, I don't no, think so. Different. No, it's different. It's different,
3: all right, you yeah. know, yeah, because I, I, I thought of... With scoliosis the is the spine, this yeah, is the brain. He, the only, brain. he only yeah.
7: removed the L1 so he could, he could get into the, yeah. the fibres from the brain. So
3: when did you and Dr. Park realise it had been a success? How long did it... Was, was that a couple of days after? Well, you see, I
7: didn't see this initially, but, like, when he came to us after surgery, he said to me everything went according to plan. Okay. So what we were experiencing in the 24 and 48 hours afterwards was very normal to him, but not normal to me. Okay. I didn't expect. Well, I knew she wouldn't be able to walk, I didn't think she was going to be in so much pain. I didn't think she was going to be so angry. I didn't think she was... But I had taken her ability from her. But by day five, I think, five or six, she did take her first steps with a walking aid. Um, and she just excelled at physio from there on then. She really did. But they say we shouldn't really see gains that she wouldn't be back to her pre-op until around six or seven weeks. So we're only hitting that now, really. And this morning at physio now, she really excelled. It's just amazing to see, like.
3: and. Uh, her uh, her herself, she's out of... The pain is the big one because I remember in one of the earlier interviews I did with you talking to you about that and just that really got to me. It's very hard as a mother to watch your child in pain.
7: The pain is and, gone, she and said. And you, you had to yeah. do
3: that every day.
7: Every day. And now we're discovering, I suppose, the stuff she's telling us we didn't know that she was as limited as she was. Like the first day, we flew home on a Sunday and she wanted to go to school on the Monday. She wanted <laughs> to go. So we went to school around 11.00. And when she got into the car, I said, come on, put on your seatbelt. And she said, look at this, I can do this. Now, she could always put on her seatbelt, but not as easy as she can do it. Now, every yeah. movement and transition is easier. Yeah. Um, Like, we didn't realise that she was as restricted as she was. And, like, I suppose she said the elastic is broken. That's what she said. I think her whole, even people have commented that the expression on her face, she looks free like I suppose if you think of an elastic band crunching up your body she does pair freer she's definitely happier and if I said to her last week have you got pain she said just where the scar is where the incision is okay. but I mean it was a major incision so yeah. um, That's to be expected. I said what about the pain in your legs no she said her legs get tired but it's a different pain yeah and then I said to her she's really tough like I said God I'm so you were so sick weren't you no she said I wasn't sick I was in pain I was never sick <laughs> she's a great kid she doesn't she, like yeah, sympathy right no no like we get up in the mornings at half six to get physio in before school because she okay. doesn't want to miss school like the school is shocked her. they didn't yeah, expect because to that, be that.
3: that's the other side I mean the operation was you know horrendous and all of that but the real work and you always knew that oh god yeah it, would, would, once you got home it's and every that's, day that's, yeah
7: it's every day like she went to her nan Saturday night and god love her her nan is really good and uh, um, her nan took her for a cycle yesterday to the park and then she's cycled around the park. Everything we're doing, we have to incorporate. Physio. It's just about yeah. keeping her moving. Yeah. But she doesn't want to miss school. So the school starts at quarter to nine and we get in about nine. But that's an early start. That's two and a half hours. Like we're up at half six.
3: Doing what? About an hour in the morning? Now it? we're
7: a physio. I take her to physio in the mornings. Yeah. Monday, Wednesday and Friday, she's doing physio. Um, Tuesdays and Thursdays, she goes swimming with her dad she swimming sw- swimming's great I'd yeah. say yeah she yeah. did gymnastics on Friday gymnastics yeah and she started yoga now last week she thought the yoga was very good so hopefully that will strengthen her core more because it's all about core work and Evelyn her dream to dance I was going to start her dancing two weeks ago but she's really not able so we're just okay. going to try and get Hold her stronger off. hopefully after Christmas yeah. Dr Park is coming in April to recheck her okay. not just Anna any child that he has operated from Ireland he'll be over in April to check him and he said he wants to see her dancing by April. Oh, yes.
3: Yeah. And is there a particular type of dancing that she'd like to do? Irish dancing is, oh, is our that thing. <laughs> yeah. But
7: we'll wait and see. Yeah. Yeah. He, so he, he Didn't he say that Irish dancing would be He good? said Irish dancing would be amazing for Anna because there's a second surgery that was meant to be done when we were there, but he just didn't feel that Anna would benefit from it right now. So um, in the meantime, we must keep her, he said the pointing of the toes would stretch her hamstrings to, to keep that tightness a bit at bay. So it's quite possible that we will be returning sometime, but please, God, not for a few years. Do you know? Yeah. Because it'll yeah. be growth The taller she can get, the later we get the surgery, the better yeah, the benefits. Yeah. Do you know? So, so a very
3: you're heading to a very different Christmas this year to to what you had last year.
7: Oh God, yeah. I, I like I still can't believe that we can think of doing stuff without having to worry. She we let, we took her out of a wheelchair at the airport in Missouri, and she hasn't been in it since. It's just parked and all at home. She like she could manage the length Ugh. of malotona, which is something that she couldn't do before.
3: What about Irish doctors and Irish surgeons? Have they seen her? Or no, no, you're not. No, no we if, haven't
7: seen anybody. You no. no. She has an appointment with Enable Ireland on Thursday of this week. They do want to see her. They're curious to find out how she okay. got on. Yeah, yeah
3: okay. Um, and you, and you, and you'll keep that appointment and everything. Oh and God, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah.
7: Um, but you I mean, like it's not true fault. there is that she can't get the surgery here. The surgery wasn't available. But they're definitely curious to see how she's getting on. So yeah, I yeah. can't wait for them to see her. Yeah, they're, you know? they're
3: they're they're in for a fantastic surprise. And I know, um, Evelyn, we we you know we we can't let the moment pass without talking about the generosity of people. Yeah,
7: and I have a few things here because okay. I know I'll forget. All right. Um, firstly, to yourselves as a station, like you will never ever know how much you paid, how much a vital role you paid on his journey because the interviews with yourself spread this story far and wide, further than you could imagine. For everyone that rang in, like, I'm afraid to mention names, Patricia, in case (laughs) I forget someone, because there's, like, whether it was a five-year donation or someone baked a cake or the fantastic dance that Mike Fitz done, every single word that was spoken about Anna's campaign has helped her on this journey. Like, I've come to realise, firstly, we live in an amazing community here in Norcork. We really do, because... We had help from every little village in town around us. Now, we had help from the whole of Cork as well. But like, that's what got Anna there. Mm. And as you say, you saw her climbing. You can actually share that video so and people we were, can yeah, see it. Yeah. And that's what they've done for, for my daughter. And, it, you know, we, we were talking about, you know, life
3: changing surgery.
7: That's exactly what it was. And, you know, I just saying it there when I was outside waiting to come in. It is life changing surgery without a doubt. But and I'd never wish that we were on this road. But this journey has taught me life changing lessons too. a simple thing can help someone just brighten their day. Because, as you said, I was here a couple of months ago with the weight of the world on my shoulders.
3: You were in but I used to break my heart every time you came in. I think we used to end with you leaving. I was in tears. You were in tears. It was dreadful. But just a
7: simple smile, a simple offer of help. There's a couple of kids um, from Dublin, uh, Drogheda fundraising at the moment and their stories for the same surgery. And it breaks my heart. But like it's not just that surgery. There's something every day. I know, and like if you and will
3: we ever see that surgery performed in this country for, for children as young as Anna?
7: It's not performed in this country at, at all, all, is at it not? not? No. no,
3: no. There would have been an operation for when, it, but when Anna was older,
7: no, there so would have been an option that she might be considered to be referred to Leeds when she's older. Oh, but for
3: w- the same operation, or similar.
7: Very similar, yeah. Yeah, I think Dr. Park would be more skilled because Okay, but
3: your worry at the time was it would be too late, you felt? Yes, because there's a
7: girl from Dublin and it was her story I was following on Facebook and she had the same level of spasticity as Anna. But by the time she was 18, she was confined to a wheelchair and she had the surgery last November and she's doing really well. But she'd have had a tougher fight because she'd got a lot more damage at that stage to her body. Her knees are bad, her hips are bad. Yeah. Like, I didn't want to sit back and let that happen and then let's try and fix this.
3: Yeah. Yeah, so. and especially when you, when you knew and realised that something could be done. So. And
7: hopefully things, it's only the beginning, things will get better. Yeah, well,
3: we'll, well we will talk again, uh, Evelyn. It's been an incredible story. I've always said it, that Anna's very lucky to have you as a mum. She landed in the right home, that's for sure. Uh, give her a hug for, for, from us all. And we we'll look forward to seeing her dancing as <laughs> well. Thanks, Thanks Evelyn Brown.
2: You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed.
4: Text Patricia with your comment now 0862 103 103.
3: And thank you to Mike Fitzgerald's and Star Treks in Knocknagree. Uh, a lovely message in saying great to hear Evelyn on the radio this morning and little Anna's uh, success. And Mike and all of the gang at Star Treks in Knocknagree can take a bow for what they did. They were listening to me doing an interview with Evelyn. They decided to get involved and they did some fantastic fundraising. So uh, well done, Mike, and everybody who helped out in any way for Anna's dream to dance and that little girl will dance. I promise you that. Now, the Housing Charity Threshold is calling for a change in legislation to protect tenants after reports of landlords asking for viewing fees. Joining me to discuss the issue from Threshold in Cork, Idel uh, Condon. Good morning to you, Adele. Good morning, Patricia. Now, Idel, from what we're hearing at the moment, this is only happening in Dublin, but I think it needs to be highlighted for fear that it might creep in and might happen down here in Cork. What exactly is a viewing
0: fee?
8: So what what has come to our attention, and, and as you said, in, in Dublin mainly, is that agents and landlords are requesting um, tenants to put down, Um, I I suppose a a deposit for their viewing just to view the property so um, the cases that have come to us um, we've seen about they vary between 300 and 500 euro being requested to to view the property and and that's just to view it
3: And if you don't have the money are you refused a viewing?
8: Yes, that's what's happening and that's what um one lady that um has has spoken to our service experienced when um she I suppose expressed that she she couldn't afford that fee. Um the, the response was, Well, if you don't pay the fee you can't get the viewing.
3: And surely people have quizzed the the landlords and the agencies um as to why. Have they given any reason for a viewing fee?
8: Um I don't think they have come out and stated why, but um, I suppose we're seeing that they're using it as a screening service, really, and they're screening people. um, And it's to, I suppose, to reduce the numbers um, that are are actually going to the viewings, because as we've seen photographs here in Cork as well, we've seen, um, you know, um, people having to view to to queue up for hours and they're quite long queues um and that's just again to, to get a viewing. Um I suppose that just shows how desperate people are and unfortunately there are some agents and landlords um you know using this to their advantage and and you know trying to make some money from it
3: unfortunately. Very, very unfair. Somebody wants to know, is the viewing fee refundable if you don't get the property?
8: Um in one case it wasn't refunded. Um so that, that 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 is the issue I suppose and that's why we're, we're calling for protection for tenants on this and um, you know and, and I obviously that it that's that 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 just cannot happen. And is
3: it is it illegal? Surely it's illegal.
8: There, there's no legislation there at the moment, but um, I, I would say that fraud could come into it. Um, and as we've seen recently as well, it was just highlighted last week by the Gardaí here in Cork that rental scams are on 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 the up. Um, and the Gardaí have had numerous complaints um, for 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 rental scams. So in a way, this this is a, a scam as well.
3: Uh, How do the rental scams work? What's happening? What's come to light there?
8: So they're advertising properties that will appear to be too good to be true. They'll um, look fabulous on the website and might even be a little bit below market rent. So um, that attracts people straight away. And then they will be asked to usually transfer money um, to an account. So if anyone hears that, you know, they they should stay away from it. Um, And they seem to be going after, um, I suppose, tenants who are are new into the country. Um, You know, students who are coming over to study and they're advertising and asking for for deposits to be paid to be transferred. But unfortunately... you know as soon as the deposit is transferred the, the ad is taken down
3: the pro- but the property never existed anyway exactly. did it yeah, yeah yeah, yeah. and I was reading over the weekend and it was from Threshold who heard of a man who was asked for his PPS number they wanted the employment history he, they wanted his salary and that was before mm. he even got to view a property
8: yes and that is happening in Cork um, we have had reports into the, the Cork office here of that Um it, it's it's excessive. There's no doubt about it. Um, agents in Cork are asking for employment references and, um, you know, asking how much people are earning. Um, I, I, I suppose that, that why they're doing it is they want to ensure that the rent will be paid. Um, but at the same time, you know, it is excessive. Um, and you would hope that someone wouldn't um, even think about renting a property if they couldn't afford it so um, it's definitely excessive to be asking those kind of questions
3: Uh, People on HAP must be finding it very difficult to try to rent a property Yeah and
8: this is another barrier um, and hopefully it won't creep past Dublin but I suppose Patricia everyone is finding it difficult um, you know to to even get um, a viewing or you know I suppose a lot of people become aware of properties through word of mouth, and that seems to be how people are picking them up from our experience here. Um, I had a quick look on Daft this morning. In Cork City alone, there was only 28 properties being advertised, um, and 243 in the county. <clears throat> so, I mean, that's quite low. People are, are desperate, um, you know, and people are having to move further away from their workplace and, you know, even take children out of their, their schools just to, to get a home. So um it, it's the rental sector is not a nice place to be at the moment,
3: and then we had the budget um last week what did what the threshold make of the hundred percent tax relief uh, for landlords is that going to help tenants in any way um I suppose it'll help the
8: supply it'll um you know maybe attract landlords into the sector again it'll um increase supply. I suppose our only concern is you know was that the, the people who were who were the most vulnerable, which would be those people who were on, rent supplement or HAP. Um, I suppose there was um, relief there, tax relief if landlords rented to a HAP recipient for more than three years, and they would have got the tax relief. But now they, it's across the board. So um, again, as you said, it's going to be even harder for for those in receipt of HAP to to um, to get properties going forward. Um, but I suppose overall, you know, we, we we hope it'll increase supply as soon as possible.
3: But then it's very much pitting landlords with their hundred percent tax relief when they're bidding for a property up against somebody who's trying to get on the property ladder.
8: Well, yeah, that, that that's true. I mean, it's it's difficult um, for, for those trying to to get on the the property ladder as well. And. Until we see people um, being able to get on that ladder, um, you know, the rental sector is going to be, just remain as squeezed as, as it is and uh, as difficult as it is. Um, so until we get that supply on board and we get those opportunities for people to, to purchase their properties, the, the rental sector is going to be, it's going to be a, a tough I would say two or three years, yes, for 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 mm. everyone to be honest.
3: All right, we leave it there, it, uh, Thank you for that. And and by the way, if that what we brought you want to talk about at the, at the start the viewing mm-hmm. fees if somebody is asked for for a viewing fee do you want to hear from them
8: absolutely yeah. we want to we, we want to hear from from tenants across the board you know um, there are a lot of people out there who are, who are accepting rent increases when they don't have to they're accepting notices of termination when they don't have to and it's because they're not aware of their rights so anyone with any housing issue if they could contact us on our free phone number 1800 454 454 and we will help in in every way we can
3: all right T-Dale. Thank. Thank you for that and thanks for joining us. Thank you. Good morning. That is Adele Content from Threshold 1800 454 454. And actually the front page of the Irish Independent today is running with a story that property sales to UK-based buyers has increased by 10% over the past year. New data has found that almost half of estate agents nationwide have experienced an increase in UK inquiries for properties here. This is obviously all to do with Brexit. The data from estate agents all over Ireland show that Brexit is proving to be a double-edged sword, which is helping to drive sales of properties. But obviously, it's putting further pressure on what is an already stretched market market. Now, the buyers are a mix of Irish emigrants who want to return home, British workers who want to relocate to uh, Ireland are British people who have decided they would prefer to retire in Ireland uh, rather than, say, in the United Kingdom. Sales to UK-based buyers have now increased by 10% on average over the past year, and that's according to a survey by the Real Estate uh, Alliance, uh, which is just adding uh, another layer people out there particularly first-time buyers trying to get on the property ladder and they're out there and you've got people coming from the United Kingdom many of them cash buyers uh, able to um, outbid The homegrown homebuyers The Mallow Swimming Pool have been on to say that they will be closed tomorrow, Tuesday from 12 noon to 6 p.m. And this is due to ESB works. They obviously are not going to have any power. So no swimming tomorrow, Tuesday, Mallow Swimming Pool, 12 noon to 6 p.m. Frank in West Cork was on to say it's a disgrace that they're trying to get blasphemy removed from the Constitution. We are being led by foreign influences says, uh, uh, Frank, we've had very little input from listeners, Frank, I have to say, on the removal of blasphemy from the Constitution. I know when I was talking about the presidential election a couple of weeks ago, I happened to mention, by the way, there's also a referendum on the day and we were meant to have two referendums. Remember that we were meant to have the one on the the right, the place of women in the home, but they've decided not to run with that. But they decided to go ahead with the blasphemy one. But there's and and I mentioned it and I couldn't believe the number of people who contact. To the programme to say, a referendum, what's that about? Didn't even know there was a referendum happening. So it is one of those referendums that isn't quite capturing the imagination of a lot of people. As I say, we've had little or no interaction from listeners other than people saying, didn't even know that there was a referendum happening. Now, I know I got the leaflet in, you know, when they bring out the, the referendum commission brings out the leaflet where they put both sides of it. So, you know, um, if people want to read up on it, I Frank, I can take it from the wording of your comment. To what way you're going to be voting but um, it'll be interesting to see the results of this particular referendum because as I say a lot of people don't even realise that it is happening. Thank you for your call uh, to the programme uh, today, uh, Frank. Some of your texts coming in we've mentioned car insurance earlier. Um, John was on to say, hi, Trish, re-car insurance and shopping around. If you're over 70, many of the insurance companies won't take you on. It happened to me earlier this year, even though I've never had a claim and I ended up having to stay where I was. Is this something they brought in themselves? I wonder. Didn't did not get much of a hearing from the companies Thank you for your great program, Trish says, John, I'm surprised to hear that Considering the interview that I did this morning with insuremycars.ie, who found the exact opposite, they are finding that some of the insurance companies are waking up to the older driver and realising that the older driver are the safer driver and they're not having claims and they are the ones that they want to get on their books, hence the reason there was this €800 of a difference between the most expensive insurance and the cheapest insurance. So I'm really surprised, John, to hear you say that you weren't even getting quotes And now I'm wondering, what was the age of your car? Because the one thing that Jonathan Hare of InsureMyCars.ie said that if everything is, if it's a reasonably new car and it has the NCT and all of that on it, then certainly older drivers are getting very, very good quotes. The only other time I've heard insurance companies refusing to quote is when your car is 10 years or over and that is catching a lot of people when they get in a high premium they have no option but to pay that high premium because if you go to another insurance company with a car 10 years or over they simply will refuse to insure you so you then are stuck with the first premium that came in the door so I'm wondering John what was the age of your car because certainly I am surprised to hear because, as I say, the research there from InsureMyCars.ie shows the opposite. Shows, if anything, that a lot of the insurance companies are trying to get the over 70s. They're, tr- they're looking for the older drivers because they see them as a better risk. eighteen fifty three 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 one zero three. And Heidi was listening to my interview on the landlords and the viewing fee. It's coming out. It's starting It has started in Dublin, but the worry is if the spotlight isn't put on it and it becomes the norm in Dublin, it'll become the norm everywhere else. So that's why we need to get the message out to people. Do not get sucked in by a viewing fee. No matter how desperate you are to get a property, do not pay a viewing fee and threshold really are just what are saying to people if you hear about it, get on to them and they certainly will, will investigate it and because if we get enough, if enough people start talking about this, the landlords, if they don't stop it, the legislation will have to be put in place to make it illegal because it's really like robbing from somebody. To say to somebody, pay me €500 Euro and I'll show you around the property and then either you go in and see the property and the property doesn't suit because you don't know until you get in to see it or secondly, you don't get the property because the landlord decides to give it to somebody else and you lose the €500 Euro that you paid out for this, viewing That's just uh, robbery. I can't see any other word for that except uh, robbery. Heidi says never heard of it uh, before, but she doesn't think many good, good landlords will be doing it. 100%. Any of the good landlords won't even consider doing something like that. But unfortunately, we have unscrupulous landlords and why we continue to have unscrupulous landlords, they think they can get away with it. And that's why issues like this have got to be uh, highlighted. And thank you also, Heidi, for kind words, listening to my chat with um, Evelyn Brown and and like a lot of other people, so delighted that little Anna is getting on so well. And listen, whatever little bit of a role we played in giving publicity to Evelyn and trying to help spread the message, listen, we were only th- two thrilled to be in a position to do that and uh, it's just wonderful to see this little girl out of pain. I can still see her when the very first interview I did with um, Evelyn, she brought Anna into the studio with her and this brave little girl not long, oh God, it was about this time last year I suppose she wasn't long after her seventh birthday I walked into the studio but she with great effort walked into the studio and you could see with every step there was pain I mean just very, very it's just so difficult to ask any parent to watch their child in pain and to know that the pain is only going to get worse and then to find out that you can have this operation but it's only in Missouri, you need a €100,000 and it just seemed like a huge mountain for Evelyn and the rest of the family to climb but the determination of that mother but that's, that's a mother's love and a father's love but you know that's, that's you know we're we're like tigers aren't we when we're looking after our our smallies and we will do anything and we will go to any length and, and she did and it's just the relief on that woman's face is just it's incredible it's just incredible and we wish nothing but love and luck to little Anna and her dream to dance and she will dance one day I can guarantee you that somebody mentioned the presidential election and the debate uh, tonight, and is what's the point of having a debate if all the six uh, candidates are not taking part? There is a debate tonight. It's Claire Byrne, her live debate on on television, and only four of the six. Even though I thought earlier this weekend, there only three of the six. Anyway, four of the six. We know the two who are not going to show. Uh, Michael de Higgins is not going. I think he had a prior engagement or something. And Sean Gallagher has said straight out from the very start he will only attend debates where all six are present so as soon as Michael D Higgins announced he wasn't going to make the Clareburn debate uh, tonight then Sean Gallagher said he wasn't going to go so the other four will debate and This is just on a personal thing. I like those debates. I like I like watching those debates. I'm the, I'll still watch it with the four, but I am a little bit disappointed. Now, we did have the first debate on radio over the weekend, and it's the first time last Saturday that all the six candidates sat down together and debated. I don't know if you listened to it or not or, or what you heard of it. I mean, a lot of the debate was really... Uh, taken up with expenses and how much it costs to run the aurus and Michael De Higgins really came in for quite a sustained attack by most of the other uh, candidates particularly over the 317 euro tax free Allowance now that's on top of his salary. He is on a reduced salary, but it's still 250,000 euro a year. I thought Peter Casey, the businessman, he was the one who was really at- attacking uh, Michael D. Higgins. I mean, he brought up stuff like, um, Why did Michael D. spend 49,000 on four flights using the government Learjet? Including a trip that was from Dublin to Belfast, and Dublin to Belfast, you could really do it in a car, it isn't a very long uh, journey. Peter Casey then went on about the expenses that they should be published. Um, and then he really did, I thought, a real attack on Michael D. I oh, it was just uncomfortable knowing Michael D. Higgins was sitting, you know, beside him or near him. You know, he was talking about what, you know, that everything is paid for, including your dog grooming bill. So what do you spend your wages on if everything else is paid for? And by the way, if you were listening, he did mention the dog grooming bill. And seemingly somebody from Michael D. Higgins... Um. Group afterwards, his team came out and said that Michael De Higgins is always he's got the two big dogs. He's always paid for the dog grooming bills out of his own wages. It doesn't come and come out of the Aurus expenses. Former Dragon's Den and uh, Sean Gallagher, who was the runner up in twenty eleven, he also wants to focus on what he saw as excess spending by the president. He said it was extraordinary that the public was hearing about the president staying in a €3,000 a night hotel. Gavin Duffy, one of the other dragons, he raised the issue of transparency in the in the aurus, saying people don't know if we are getting value for money due to the absence of uh, information. Joan Freeman, Senator Joan Freeman, who we spoke with last week, she said um, there had been annual audited accounts and freedom of information there. There would be no need for a conversation like that. Sorry, if there was annual audited accounts, we wouldn't be talking about this. And then Sinn Féin's Leah Ni the MEP for the South, said there had been a failure to deliver at or nuke Theron on a proper level of transparency and I have to say they must have spent half the debate talking about that and I just wanted to move on, move on you know it's like get into it get into the nitty gritties get into what you all stand for um, and then now Michael De Higgins by the way did respond and he said everything had been properly managed at the ORS, but he accepted that the presentation of the information could be better. He argued that there is merit in the idea of publishing an annual report inclusive of financial statements from the ORS, and only time will tell if that is going to happen. Then they had a kind of a section where they spoke about business interests of some of the candidates. Peter Casey said he'd stepped back from his businesses, saying he owned the share he owned the shares, of his US based company while his wife owned the company in Ireland and he did interject a little bit later on and said oh I forgot I was taking a company in Kerry as well Gavin Duffy said he suspended all activities from his consultancy firm when he decided to run for the campaign Leonie Riada attacked Sean Gallagher's activities since 2011 saying where have you been for the last seven years John Freeman was once again quizzed by the 120,000 euro loan she's taken out to run the campaign from a, a former boyfriend of her this is the this businessman, Des Walsh, uh, and the controversy about him was he owns the company Herb Life, which is um, a pyramid scheme. And he ended up having to pay the US Federal Trade Commission 200 million euro in fines. And the debate also heard criticism of Michael D. Higgins' decision to describe the late Cuban leader Fidel Castro as a giant among Uh, Leaders Again, it was Peter Casey strongly attacking the president's choice of words. And he explained that he'd been to Cuba and he'd seen how depressed people were there. Michael D did reiterate that if he was redrafting that statement, he would have focused more on human rights abuses in Cuba. And I remember at the time of that statement, there was some criticism of Michael D. Higgins. So that's just a kind of a snapshot of what happened at the at the debate last uh, Saturday. As I say, you, you kind of came away from it saying, mm, don't know if I learned that much. A lot of it was just rehashed. Re, re, you know, they went over stuff that we'd already heard about. So it'll be interesting when it gets to the TV. There's one, I know of one TV debate, the Pat Kenny one, interestingly enough, where on TV th- or Virgin Media, where all six as of now are all going to uh, take part. But I was hoping for all six tonight with Claire Byrne. But as I say, that is not happening now. You know, Michael D. Higgins, handlers, he's got the most to lose uh, from these debates because he's gone so far ahead on the opinion polls. We were talking about it only on Friday when it came out. Uh, it was at 70% of the vote. And, of course, a lot of... I saw some criticism at the weekend uh, as to... And we touched on it on Friday. Why are we having a presidential election if it looks like... Michael D is a shoe in the door. I mean, I can't see anybody turning around a lead the, when he's that far ahead in the opinion polls. And of course, the question now is why are we having Is it 15 million? Is what the whole election is going to cost. Did we really need to spend that? And as many people are saying 15 million that would have built and could have built an awful lot of houses. 1850 333 103 Bernie is taking your calls. If you want to text or WhatsApp you can to 0862 103 103 The C103 Cork
2: Diary. With Cork County Council supporting businesses, supporting communities, serving Cork. Visit corkcoco.ie.
3: Gaggin Community Alert meeting that is taking place tonight at half past seven in Gaggin Community Hall. All are welcome. Bandon Flower and Garden Club, they've got a flower arranging demonstration by Chris Bailey of AOIFA in the Munster Arms Hotel in Bandon. That is tonight. Visitors are most welcome. There's a blood donor clinic in the Marion Hall in Ballinhasig. That's on today between 5pm and 830 30, While Glantan Parish Mission Mich- They are, that's taking place from the 14th, which was yesterday, through to the 28th of October, with the first week involving house and school visits. The second week will comprise a preached mission with daily masses, holy hours and blessings. That's in Glamlam Parish Church. A quiz night fundraiser in aid of Surf to Heal East Cork, it's a surf camp, for children with autism in JJ Coppinger's Bar in Middleton tomorrow night, Tuesday, 40 euro for a table of four. Raffle also on the night with great prizes. If you'd like to book a table, you can call Teresa at 087-9055-354. And there'll be a coffee morning in the Corber Court in Ballyhay on Wednesday, ten AM to twelve thirty pm. And that's the Native Mary Mount Hospice. And the three tenors are appearing in concert of the Church of the Resurrection in Nalo on Friday night. Tickets are available at the Parish Centre office in Bank Place in Mallow. All proceeds are going to the Mallow Parish Capital Project Fund.
2: This is Cork Today with Patricia Messenger on C103.
3: And John in Mallow has been on to say there is a serious pothole on the road at Mallow Bridge coming from the town to the Ballydehean side. He was driving on his three-wheeler motorcycle yesterday and he went into it. He couldn't stop in time. He said if a cyclist had had hit it or does hit it, uh, they would be very seriously injured with Cork County Council. Please take notice. A serious pothole on the Ma- on Mallow Bridge coming from town heading to uh, Ballydehean. And actually coming under the bridge... In on the old Cork Road, coming out towards the radio station at Goulds Hill, I hit a pothole this morning. And normally, I am very alert to the potholes. But obviously, the rain over the weekend, those potholes they keep constantly filling them in, and then we get a bad shower rain, and they're back out again, and you can nearly bathe in them some of the times. But that pothole has reopened as well, and it's really, really annoying when you hit a pothole. John, you were lucky that you were okay uh, in your on your three wheel motorbike that could have been a nasty accident as well but thank you for drawing our attention to it okay some of your texts in fantastic to hear about little anna brown and how well she's doing after operation when we spoke in the last hour with her mum uh, evelyn and a listener said it's just terrific to hear that anna is doing so well but no thanks to our miserable government says this te- texter and to think the amount of money they waste on junkets every year like when they all travel around the world on St. Patrick's Day. I would like to wish Anna all of the very best, says this uh, texture. And John has been back on, who surprised me when he said that he was turned down for insurance because he was over 70 and I was wondering, was his car over 10 years? And he says, well, actually, Trish, yes, my car was 10 years old, but they haven't even asked me. They just said, no, not taking anybody over the age of 70. Thank you, uh, sister. Trish. Well, according to my... Uh, ie. the opposite is the case now whether it has changed because it was earlier this year and whether it's changed lately I don't know John what I would suggest is next year maybe go with the insurance broker and see if they could get you a more reasonable quote but certainly there is evidence there from some of the insurance companies I just don't know unfortunately which ones because when the survey came out they don't list the insurance companies but there are some companies particularly looking after Older drivers more so than others. That's why you need to ring around. I mentioned the first debate that happened between all of the six, the first debate. And we're not going to have many of them with all of the candidates. Uh, Gerard says, Trish I also listened to that ba- debate on uh, Saturday afternoon. I thought it was just an attack on our president, Michael D. Higgins. It actually turned me off the whole lot of them. To me, all they seem to have are their own interests at hand. Apart from Joan Friedman, who I hadn't thought much about uh, before, says Jar. I thought Joan because we had Joan, and you know, Joan, we would we would know Joan well on this program from her role with the Pieta House, and uh, we interviewed her last last week on the program about why she's decided to run for the presidency. But I thought that because it was a radio debate, I thought listening to it for a huge chunk, a huge chunk of it, it was as if Joan wasn't even there. Um, the others seem to be much more vocal than she was. You know, the second half, she did get a bit more vocal, but there was that danger when you get that many sort of big personalities all with their opinion. It'll be interesting to see tonight. I know there'll only be four of them. It'll be interesting to see how she does uh, tonight when you're actually seeing her there on the uh, on the uh, TV. But the, I, the attack on his age, I have to say, I didn't like. A certainly, OK, he's the oldest of all of the candidates and he's probably, he was older than all of them are that are standing now. Uh, he was older than than them seven years ago. If he was, you know, if they were all standing seven years ago, he'd still be the oldest in the field. And certainly, his age hasn't gone against him with the last seven years. And it's yeah, there was a bit of ageism. Uh, certainly, reared its ugly head during the debate for sure. Gerard, thank you uh, for your text. And Sandy, this is back on the insurance thing when I mentioned the ten-year-old car. Sandy makes an interesting point. What is the point of us having an NCT every two years and an annual NCT if you're your car is over 10 years. If insurance companies can then pick and choose on an age basis of your car, it's nonsense. it's making an ass of the law. Regards to having and maintaining vehicle in a roadworthy condition, it's pointless Paying money for a higher quality car first day. Insurance companies, in my opinion, have been allowed to self-regulate, have, in my opinion, paid out compensation without question, without consultation, and policyholders then must pick up the extra... Premium, you how right you are on that, uh, Sandy. Particularly when they settle, and we've heard countless times from people who felt the insurance company paid out on something that looked to be a fraudulent case or looked to be an exaggerated case. And then what happens at the end of the day? The insurance company pays out, and then it's the poor old mug, and our premiums. Then, if you were the one who uh, end up. Uh, if the claim was against you, you end up ultimately paying back all of that money by higher insurance costs. Very, very frustrating. But I do think you have a point on the 10-year-old cars. It's been a number of years now that people have been telling us that if they've tried to change insurance companies, insurance companies won't touch them if the car is 10 years or older. Yet, if your car is 10 years or older, you do have to get your NCT done every single year. And the NCT is telling you that you've maintained your vehicle and it is, in, it is road worthy. So what's the point of having that if it's not reflected when you go and get your insurance? That's a good point. Uh, Sandy, thank you for that. Patricia, insurance companies are just robbing people. They seem to be a law unto themselves. some John in Carragher line. A lot of people will agree with you on that one. And Dan says, Patricia, none of the wealthy j- dragons who I think only want the house in the park have shown, have shown a, shed, uh, a shred of class needed to be our president, which in my opinion, says Dan, Michael de Higgins has in buckets. To quote their own phrase from their TV show, I'm out when it comes to them, says Dan. Uh, 185333103 185333103
4: Today on C103. Call Patricia with your comment now. 1850 333
3: 103. And Dan in Hassick was on wondering how much did the Morris Tribunal cost? Now, one thing about the Morris Tribunal, I think, uh, the Morris McCabe Tribunal, I think uh, everybody's just pleased that for, for Morris McCabe and for his family, the results of that tribunal. But the cost of the lawyers, Dan is wonder- wondering about uh, the amount of lawyers representing the government the Commissioner and the other senior Gardaí they had three senior counsels some of junior counsels each and up to 30 lawyers at the, he- at the hearings which lasted 97 days how many homes could have been built for that amount of money and I don't know if how much it costs that normally comes out after the findings doesn't it we'll keep an eye out on it Dan but I have a funny feeling it will be a staggering figure that will probably um, make you very annoyed when you hear how much the whole tribunal cost in the end and fantastically good news from Margaret who contacted us last week because she had got a bill in from AIR she had recently gone over to a new contract she was led to believe there was free mobile ...calls included with the contract and when her bill arrived she was she was charged €154 Euro extra on top of what the bundle package was and she was told that was for mobile call, calls and that mobile calls were not free in the package. She was getting onto air to investigate... I told her to make sure that uh, if they were saying it was your word against somebody else's word, that all of those calls are recorded. So, whatever was promised to Margaret would be recorded by air. And she has just come back to say, Hi, Patricia. I, I rang air and they have admitted. I was told when I was setting up the package, the bundle package, that I would get free mobile calls, which were not included. I have just been refunded €154, Euros, so good news there. Thank you for that, and thank you for letting us know, Margaret. 1850-333-103, we're going to the health hub in Times Square in Balencolic, where Annalise Drussell joins us. Good afternoon to you, Anneliese. Good afternoon. Trisha. And we're talking about liver disease uh, today. What are the main diseases that affect the liver?
4: There's about a 100 different types of Whoa. liver disease, Patricia, overall. Um, but I suppose the main ones would be ones that, uh, the fatty liver is probably the main one, uh, fatty liver syndrome. And that would be probably the most common liver disorder in the West. There are other types that you can get from parasites, um, hepatitis virus, hepatitis A, B and C, they'll all cause liver disease. Um, and of course, some of them are genetic as well, autoimmune, where your own body is uh, fighting and, damaging the liver cells. Jaundice would be another common one as well but jaundice is a milder form. So I think for the purpose really of today's call, I think if we talk about fatty liver syndrome because um, all of the advice would be relevant anyway for all of the other liver diseases if they are genetic or autoimmune or if it's hepatitis or jaundice, the the same rules apply.
3: Okay, so what are the signs and symptoms? How would you know if your liver wasn't playing up?
4: So I suppose the main symptoms would be: first of all, you maybe start feeling tired, fatigued. You might start losing weight. You might find it hard to digest fats. Um, you'd feel weak or nausea um, on eating, vomiting, and confusion, trouble concentrating. That can all happen as well. Um, sort of, the liver is kind of right underneath the stomach, just under your ribcage there. So you might feel tender or sore to touch it because um, it might become uh, enlarged. Your urine could become darker. You might find you're bruising easily, um, constipation maybe, or you notice changes in your stool. The liver produces bile. That is very important for digesting fats. So you might notice that your stool becomes more pale, sticky. That would go in line then with the nausea and inability in digestion as well when eating fat. So quite a few of them, but I think a lot of those would be at the you know, the later stages of liver disease. So some of the earlier stages, if you're very early on, you might not even notice.
3: So I'm assuming uh, you need to avoid foods with fat in it.
4: Well, actually, some of the reasons that you um, might develop fat in the liver as well actually are diet related, Uh, Patricia. We're seeing an awful lot of it now uh, because of um, the amount of high fructose corn syrup and fructose sweeteners that they're putting into foods and because of obesity. So what's happening is that fat is being stored in the liver and that's creating um, the non-alcoholic fatty liver disease. So there's the alcoholic one, obviously, that's created when from alcohol and over-drinking alcohol. Um, so the first thing really that you need to avoid in terms of diet is high fructose, corn sugar and uh, sugary foods. Now, avoiding fat, I think if you need to lose weight, definitely would be very important. Um, if, um, and that is more in terms of a weight loss. But actually, fat itself doesn't necessarily cause liver disease if you're healthy otherwise. Um, it only will contribute to fatty liver disease if you're not burning it as a fuel. So if you're eating fat in your diet, but it's part of what you need for your days, calories, expenditure, etc., you won't store it in the liver. It's only when it's extra. So that only tends to happen when you become overweight or obese.
3: So, so the foods then you should avoid? Yeah,
4: so the definitely the foods would be um, very sugary foods, high fructose corn syrup that you're going to start seeing an awful lot of now in um, um breakfast cereals and processed foods processed foods on the whole because of the amount of um, chemicals as well that can be added like into meats, etc other foods that you should avoid well alcohol obviously as well would be important Um, that's probably about it really I think Patricia and ones to include? then the foods to include then I think one of the best things you can do if you've got liver disease is pack in the vegetables and the best way of doing it is juicing Now, particularly good for the liver are all of the sulfur-rich foods. So you're looking at eggs, actually, would be very good, even though they are high in fat within the yolk. But they're very high in sulfur, which is fantastic for the liver. And then the vegetables would be broccoli, cauliflower, leeks, garlic, onions, cabbage, kale, all of those that, you know, smell and can cause a bit of wind as well when you eat. They are all the sulfur-rich foods. Ginger is fantastic as well for the liver. It's a really powerful natural anti-inflammatory. And things like bananas and sweet potatoes that will be very high in potassium. Sweet potatoes very high in vitamin A, very important for liver health as well. So those probably would be the most important ones to include in the diet. But as I said, if you can juice, it just puts in a massive amount of healthy nutrients and vitamins and minerals in to help with um, liver function. Beetroot is another lovely one as well to include in those juices for the liver too.
3: And then supplements that would help.
4: So supplement wise, I think probably dandelion would be a very important one. Again, that's a fantastic one that you can, you know, you can use the leaves in your salads or the root in terms of um, herbal teas. You can get supplements. Artichokes are wonderful as well. We're not used to eating artichokes here in Ireland but they're a delicious food. You can actually buy jars of artichokes in Aldi and they're really lovely to add in. What it do they taste
3: me. like? they something I've never eaten. Um,
4: well, they... It's hard to explain really, I suppose they taste like
3: artichokes. Okay. <laughs> 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 no, it was, it was probably a not, stupid question of mine to ask, yeah. They're
4: not <laughs> bitter or they're not sweet. Okay. Um, they're, they're slightly sweet. Like, I w- remember eating them as a child fresh with butter and salt and they were absolutely delicious. Um, so... Look, the best way to probably do it is get it in a supplement if you're not used to eating those foods. Milk thistle, of course, is another one that's wonderful for the liver. That is very important for the health of liver cells. So if you like your few jars at the weekend, milk thistle will be a really good one to put in aside from um, liver disease. Um, Eating liver, actually, Patricia, as well, because within the liver, you get a load of vitamin A and that's really good for the liver. Um, and all, of course, the orange and yellow vegetables like carrots and sweet potato and peppers, tomatoes, they would all be very important for um, the tocopherols. Turmeric is another supplement you could take. Um, and curcumin extract, a very powerful natural anti-inflammatory and superb for the liver. And then probably one of my favorite ones would be black seed oil. Now, this comes from a black seed, um, a black cumin seed, or it's called also nigella. Uh, but the best thing to do is just buy the oil in the health store. And I mean, I, I take the black seed oil every day. It's my one of my insurance policies. Um, I find it's wonderful. It's great. I haven't been sick last year now. And please God, this year again. Um, it's a great natural anti-inflammatory. It's brilliant for brain protection, but it's particularly good for fatty liver.
3: OK. All right. Good words of advice. Would j- time to squeeze in a few questions. Um Listener says, I was taking the Viridian joint product is a Viridian. it's called joint product for four months for arthritic pain. I had a good summer when I finished the last bottle. I went without it for four weeks. The pain came back in the knees and shoulders. I'm taking it now for the two weeks, but I'm not getting the same relief yet. Is it too soon to expect results or could the relief had more to do with the exceptionally fine summer weather that we had?
4: Possibly a bit of both. Patricia, really, I mean, taking a supplement, you do need to allow four to six weeks. Okay. It's not like taking um, an anti-inflammatory drug that stops the um, chemicals, you know, it blocks off the pathway um, that caused the pain. and um, So it's not like that. Natural anti-inflammatories work more the, at, at, a, at a kind of a root level. So you do need to allow four to six weeks before you'll notice a benefit. Um, and the, the do, one if I'm familiar with that there's glucosamine in it and I think Boswellia so I would even say maybe a two month um, there for that to take effect because it takes a bit longer with glucosamine so give it a try for two months and then if it's not working after that try another supplement you probably will find one that works well for you the, it's always amazes me Patricia that like you know within the same family people can be taking two different joint supplements that work really well for them but they try each other's supplements and it doesn't work at all. So it's very specific. What will work for you may not work for another person. So people will come in and they'll say, oh, so-and-so told me about this and I want to try it because they, you know, it cured them. Yeah. It's not always going to work for you. So if you don't think it's working after six to eight weeks, it's probably not going to work.
3: And actually, on a similar vein, a texter says, I am 61, very physically active, but lately my knees have started yeah. to ache and I'm not overdoing things and I always stretch appropriately when I am doing exercise. I wonder if glucosamine uh, might ease the achy knees.
4: Yeah, I think glucosamine is the oh one of the oldest supplements that people have taken for joints and it is one of the building blocks to kind of help rebuild your joints and the cartilage around your joints. It can take a long time to kick in. Um, normally it comes along with something called, called chondroitin and also something MSM, which is a sulfur. And these, again, are all building blocks for the cartilage of the joint. So you should really take glucosamine for six months um, if you want to see if it's going to work for you, because that's a really slow build-up. It's not an anti-inflammatory. It's more of a building block. So I think for this person, what I always recommend when people come in to me and they have got pain and swelling or redness, heat, I think take a natural anti-inflammatory for a month or two until that resolves. Um, So something like high-strength turmeric or boswellia, ginger, they would all be very good natural anti-inflammatories. White willow bark can help immediately if you're in a bit of pain. And then once you've kind of got that under control, then you can switch on to more of a a joint build-up one. And while the glucosamine is great, I dislike the fact that it can take so long for some people to see a result. And also it disagrees with some people in their stomachs. I love um, the the supplements that already have the collagen and the hyaluronic acid in there. So uh, I get great feedback on one called Movial Plus, M-O-V-I-A-L, Movial Plus. I get very good feedback on that. And you can buy very expensive ones. Revive, Active do a great joint support that has a load of excellent ingredients in there. And I always get excellent feedback on that, but it's a bit pricier. So I suppose it very much depends on, you know, how far along in terms of arthritis you are. You don't mind paying more for something if you're if you're in an awful lot of pain. Okay,
3: and you mentioned the black seed oil earlier. Ger wants to know, how do you take the black seed oil?
4: So I would take a spoon of it a day just off the spoon. You can get it in capsule form, but to be honest, it's an expensive oil. Um, So to take it in capsule form, you're really paying for the capsules. So if you could take the oil itself off the spoon, that's the best way. Viridian, do a lovely one that's organic. Um, I remember one of my customers coming in I was saying that I take it all the time and I quite, they said what's it like taste wise and I said well I quite like the taste of it <laughs> and they came in they said I have never had anything as disgusting in my life <laughs> <laughs> so it's all down to
3: taste <laughs> Absolutely okay and just a final lovely comment in from a listener saying what a joy it is to listen to the so confident and informative Annalise Dressel well, Thank you thank for much. that We'll talk again next Monday Annalise. Thank for you for pleasure. that Annalise from the Health Hub Times Square in Ballancolic
1: a little patience. Still hanging from a love I lost. I'm feeling your frustration. But any minute all the pain will stop. Just talk Be my
3: That's music from Take That on C103 and Patience. And a lovely comment in uh, reacting to Evelyn Brown told about little Anna said, Where would we be without the likes of Mike Fitzgerald? He's a great man. That's Con in Germany Thanks, for that Con. Thanks to Barney for producing. Talk to you tomorrow at 10.
4: Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time.